Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. This is Band from Ringside. Tonight on the Band from the Ringside podcast, we have your Money in the Bank recap and thoughts. We talk about AEW last night. 26 years to the day of the greatest heel team, greatest heel turn in wrestling history. Hulk Hogan bash at the beach, NWO that, and a whole bunch more tonight on the Band for Ringside podcast. Out of practice, man. Yeah, I'm glad you're back, man. Take this car. Take the car keys. Go ahead. Drive this motherfucker. Ditch that nine to five. It's time to feel alive. Hello, Mark. So welcome to the Band for Ringside podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bill Vagie, a.k.a. Come on, KV, light my fire. <laughs> and sitting directly to my left, we have Jason Cornelius Bell. What's going on, JCB? Oh, strikes again. <laughs> and on that lovely note, let me ask the congregation to bow their heads as I read from the latest edition of the Band for Ringside podcast, volume 264. Chapter 3, verse 14 of the Good Smart Say It, hashtag, boo the heels, it's all good, baby. Listen, share, subscribe, repeat the Holy Trinity of BFR. Uh, this is actually a down week for what we were always asked. Yeah, like, we always say, say one what, of these we, days we, we'll we, have we, a slow week. Here it is. And see, we should have had this, you know, something on deck for the third count, but we finally figured something out. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays itself out. And the quarterback is back, Aaron Rodgers, a.k.a. Bill Vagie. Back behind the motherfucking mic. And out there in Portland, Oregon, we have Two Beers, Zach Bowman. What's going on, Two Beer? BFR West is in the house. Oh, man, nothing good to uh, good to have you back, Bill. I mean, I know uh, I had a really good time with Jason last week. Uh, fun pod. I didn't listen back to it. I have no idea what was said. Pretty banged <laughs> up. Uh, probably could have used some quarterback and uh, J- Jason's good at the at the quarterback and but then we get into uh, no that's why like, I'm oh, J- like, man that's why I'm J- we, Jacoby Brissett well yeah, I mean okay, <laughs> they probably talked about the PBS title for like ten minutes too long which is like nine minutes you you, you did you did uh, I listen <laughs> I listen back I listen back to the entire thing um, because it last week was. One that I was sorry to miss with uh, Forbidden Door, uh, which is a pay-per-view custom-made for this podcast. Uh, I listened to the whole thing. I really enjoyed it. Jason, There's, I, I can't tell a drop-off anymore. That's how good Jason is at quarterbacking until you get into the weeds a little bit, you know, when only the hardcore fans are still listening, you know, at about that hour-and-a-half mark. And then you got two dudes that are stoned and drunk as hell, and no one there to rein them in. At least, <laughs> at least, when I, at least, like my my brain like insists on being like, oh, Veggie, you got to reel yourself in too at this point. Um, I hardly get to drive the car, man. So I mean, you, I'm not you know blaming you. Listen, act. listen, you, don't, you I, know how this is going to act. I put friend, I put on friends of BFR. Uh, my four thoughts that Jason is good at quarterbacking now. Uh, you guys don't even need me anymore. Shit. One of them was that uh, the way that Zach pronounces Omas is borderline racist. It sounds like you say almost. It's not racist. It's just funny that like it's funny that you get both vowel sounds wrong. It's 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 a four letter word and you say both O's wrong. Basically like I say it like I'm trying to sound black, which makes it racist. Almost. Uh, I can't remember the other two, but either way, I, I had a good time listening to it. You know, 
Thursday, I've said this before, my Thursdays are just filled with wrestling. I catch up on everything during the day while I'm, while I'm working and I talk, and then we talk about it for two hours at night. And then on Friday, I just don't even want to fucking think about it because I wasn't allowed to talk about it. And because it was such a big week, I was eagerly listening to your guys' podcast on Friday. So I had a lot of fun and I hope everybody else did. And if you haven't listened to it, go back and listen to it. I mean, they're all right there, wherever you get your podcast this week is a dud, but Uh-oh, damn, <laughs> this is going to suck. Just turn it off right now. Uh, but we're going to, we're going to try to have as much fun as we can without further ado. Let's get to that three count. Oh, I forgot to say, uh, we're coming at you from sweltering St. Charles, Missouri. Okay, Jason, kick <laughs> us off. Yeah, sweltering. Um, Money in the Bank uh, on Saturday night. Was it Saturday night? It was Saturday, Saturday night. Yeah, you just on Sunday premium live events can't stay on one night or the other. But in this case, it is Saturday night. Um, this one makes sense because it was July third on Sunday. It's yeah, like everybody was off the next day. Now it's it's just weird that they did it on. The, the night that there was a UFC card, and then you saw Vince and company at the UFC event, which is kind of funny, but another story for another time. Um, to me, the biggest takeaway, obviously, is Liv Morgan uh, winning the money in the bank and then ultimately cashing it in successfully and becoming the SmackDown champion. I have been more than vocal about my displeasure with Liv Morgan. Never really saw it, never really got it. I guess I'm going to have to eat my words a little bit because they made her champion. I don't necessarily have a problem with it. I didn't think she was waiting to WrestleMania. That was just ridiculous. In a scenario where with Austin Theory, we'll talk about him in a second. Spoiler alert, he did win the men's money in the bank. Liv didn't have much choice. I mean, you have the quote-unquote baddest woman in the world limping in the ring. Limping. Visibly. Getting worked over by Natalia, which I thought was a good match, just nobody was invested in it. I was, really wasn't either, but if you just take that away, just watch the match. I thought the match was good. Um, you got the wounded dog there. You, you're not going to let this slide. I guess my problem with this is the execution of it. I like when the money in the bank is a kind of a chase scenario where, you know, it could happen here, it could happen, it goes over two or three months. I don't need it to go six months, nine months, nothing like that. With the women's money in the bank, whoever, I think they said it that night, four out of the seven that wanted it have cashed in that night. So, I mean, there's really no drama at that point. They've all cashed in successfully. So I was going to ask that. That's the stat, four have cashed in that night? Alexa Bliss, Bailey. Oh, who is it? Obviously Carmella. now, Car- no, Carmella was the first, and then that was controversial. Uh, Oscar. I, I mean, it it doesn't really matter. I was just I was gonna ask that. I was thinking, what's the what's the average amount of time that the women's Money in the Bank briefcase holder holds the Money in the Bank briefcase? And really, on average, it's probably like seventy two hours, if that. I mean, it ain't long. Nikki, no, Nikki won it the next night. When she won the money in the bank. Nikki Bella? No, Nikki A.S.H. Okay, that's kind of my ne- another point with that. Oh. Where? Okay. Oh, okay. That was last year. Yeah. Okay. I guess 
we always I always talk about making new stars, and obviously this was a this was a ballsy move to make, especially when you do it over Ronda Rousey. Now we got to double down on it, otherwise this doesn't make sense. I was actually looking for Ronda Rousey a little Ronda Rousey heel turn after she lost the title. I kind of expected whenever they cross paths again, whether it's uh, SummerSlam or somewhere down the line, otherwise. You just don't have that heat. Ronda Rousey's just not a good baby face. Let's just call it for what it is. She is not a good baby face. I mean, that's been said 300 times on this very podcast. Okay, so 301, 302, and 303. She's not a good baby face. She is much better as a heel. Her promos come off better as a heel. And Liv is a white meat baby face character. You can't have two baby faces in this scenario and have it work. You need to flip Ronda heel. However you do it, you need to do it quick because you got about four weeks to get it done. Zach, your thoughts on Liv winning Money in the Bank first and foremost, and secondly, cashing in on Ronda in the same night. And also, Ronda not really seeing that bummed out about it. Like, she hugged her afterwards. For now. Zach, what are your thoughts? Even though I enjoyed Liv winning, even though it was not my prediction. Um, I thought it was awesome. It's, it's cool because the fans are behind her and they're actually listening to the fans. Um, I do much more appreciate the intrigue of the money in the bank. You're essentially ruining the gimmick when you cash in the same night, especially so often as is the women's division. Um, they just don't necessarily care about telling stories uh, in that division nearly as much. I mean, that's like an objective, obvious fact compare, you know, if you compare those two gimmicks. So, uh, yeah, so that was kind of, uh, of a bummer. But as you said on Friends of BFR, it did get the title off Ronda. So, I mean, props for that. And it went to a great person. Props for that. I saw her on the bump on Twitter and somebody asked her the question, you know, what what can you bring to the the SmackDown Women's title that say around Rousey or Charlotte Flair can't? And she literally had the perfect answer. She was like, "Well, the fans want me to be the champion." And I'm like, "Dude, that was so true and so savage." Uh, so good for her. You know, um, I hope it's impactful. I don't, you know, I don't think a lengthy title run has to be. Um, I, I just hope it's an impactful title run, right? I hope that this kind of keeps her her elevated because you know she works hard and she's over the fans uh so it was probably the highlight of the show um not the best match neither one of those were like the best matches but it was it was the highlight of the show um i was in terms of the show overall less thrilled than uh stoned and drunk uh bill on saturday night when i watched it hungover uh, and sober on Sunday morning. No, I put I, I put on that thread. I said somebody bring me weed because I my, my we have two pens in this house and my wife has displaced them both. So she took <laughs> so she took the flower for so she could smoke it after work. So old Bill's in here smoking the wood in my pipe to borrow a phrase from Reservoir Dogs. Fucking putting together re- resin, trying to do fucking trying to freebase the little <laughs> safety pins from from like from like college. Where's your boy at when you need him? <laughs> Work That's mad, so <laughs> get, get yelled at at the bottom manager. Four, Forty two years old in the suburbs, got a sleeping baby, watching Money in the Bank by myself, Facebooking Money in the Bank by myself with nobody, have- nobody responding. 
I literally have eight dispensaries and walking distance from my house. Fucking Portland. <laughs> Jesus Christ. These see, see, now, see, you didn't have to do that, okay? Okay, a, a simple little joke would have been I suffice. Still, I, okay, now you made me mad. Man, if my daughter gets Madeline McCann, though, out of my house when I walk down the street to a dispensary, I can never live it down. <laughs> God damn, knock on wood, man. I yeah, better, yeah, you better do something quick. <laughs> Everybody can still keep an eye out for Madeline McCann. She yeah, could no be shit. anywhere. Are those that that's the end of your thoughts though? Sorry. I, I cut you off I cut you off with joking. Yeah, I so I guess so do do you want me to be positive first or do you want me to be negative first? Man, do what you want to do. No, tell me. Tell me. You pick one. I always say get the bad news out the way. Okay. The bad news out the way is, well, this is kind of good news as far as the podcast goes, but I agree with Jason completely about Liv. Like, I never really got it. I don't, she doesn't scream title holder to me. Um, she, I once made the joke that Liv Morgan, this is really mean. I once made the joke that Liv oh, Morgan oh, oh, Jesus. is Mandy Rose in standard definition. Oh, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, she seems, she, her, her, her fan base is grassroots organic. I mean, it is not because they did a really great job of putting her over. Hell no. It's because she has, or getting her over, I should say, it's because she has gotten herself over. And Agreed. people seem to like her. Agreed. So, so the bad part is, I don't really get it. Another bad part is, like Zach said, it ruins the gimmick of Money in the Bank. The point of Money in the Bank is it can happen at any time. And you have these two, I mean, you could probably rewind to every single Money in the Bank we've ever done on BFR. You have these two built-in storylines with these two people like it, for my money you could make a bigger star out of Liv Morgan by having her hold the briefcase for a while and just tease it a bunch it always seems like a strange baby face thing to do to walk down and when your opponent is wounded and take the belt off her because nobody in their right mind kayfabe or shoot would ever think that Liv Morgan could take out Ronda Rousey in a fair fight you know the good news and is Liv, Liv Morgan teasing. I mean, that just writes itself. <laughs> Hold on, I think you were covering up your. I, I didn't hear what he said. I got to keep it moving. <laughs> the the good news is the positive thing is is that uh, like Jason said, we had, we are we're always on him about not being boring and maybe doing something new and maybe making a new star and certainly putting the belt on Liv Morgan is making a new main eventer putting putting it it surprised me I didn't pick her either I think she was in my I think she was my third to top pick but that was just because I don't know I really couldn't see them putting it on anybody except for the two other ones that I picked but all that being said you know it was a decent Fun match. Um, I I was pretty disappointed in Raquel Rodriguez. I thought that there was a couple spots where she could have really. She was like put. She put herself in a position to make herself look like a monster, and neither one of those spots ended up going through. They both ended up looking like shit. I will. Oh, I thought that match was terrible. It was. It wasn't good. No, it wasn't. And, good. and also the um, <laughs> Raquel Rodriguez was weirdly my pick. Um, dude, like, I don't watch a lot of the TV. Does she, like, somebody told her that baby faces smile because she just 
miles like an insane person. Oh, <laughs> you're on TV all the time. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, ever since she left NXT, yeah, I was about to say oh that. What I couldn't believe, and I put this on the Friends of BFR thread, which I, I'm sure if you read it afterwards, I probably seemed like a crazy person. I hope Zach, you did read along with it afterwards after while you were watching it, but. They, she kept, like, focusing on her back. She was wearing a backless thing. And, like, the cam- and she comes out into the heart camera. She just flexes her back. It's like, okay, yeah, she's a, she's a big woman. with she's, she's built, you know. Like, she has muscles back there. It's a cool. And th- but then she just kind of kept doing it. And I was like, I wonder if Vince just told her, like, the best thing about her is her back. But her wearing that, that backless thing. There was a spot in there where I could tell she was worried about her tits falling out and she couldn't really do what she was trying to do. And maybe it's because I wasn't high. Maybe it's because I was too drunk. Maybe it's because I was watching it by myself. But I remember watching it being like, that's she, she is, she's holding back. She's holding back something because, you know, you, she was, she had her elbows down. I know this is an audio medium, but I'm putting my elbows down by my stomach like I'm trying to hold my shirt on or something. I don't know. I, don't, I it, it, it was bizarre to me. Maybe that sounds like a horny old man uh, who wants to see more of the front or something. But I mean, it was, it was a lot of back. That's what she. Did. That's what she did in NXT. I mean, that was her thing there. I, I, I could see Vince saying something like that. Listen, is there are there people with back fetishes? Is that a thing? There are people with foot I think fetishes, there was a man. Whole song, like baby got oh, back. well, no, there's lots of people with foot <laughs> fetishes. Hey, hey, wrong, wrong, uh, back there, brother. <laughs> uh, shit. Look at touch. her; she is so built. Okay, that's she's black going to win. Anthem. She's going to win the money in the bank tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I like big backs. I cannot lie. Um, <laughs> I guess Bill kind of stole my thunder and my next thought, just kind of looking forward, is Liv Morgan's obviously the champion, and now she'll have to defend the title against, you know, probably Ronda or someone along those lines. It's Ronda and Liv at SummerSlam. Okay, so. Yeah, they made it look like Ronda was going away. I thought that was, okay, Ronda's going away for a while, and now it's like Ronda and Liv at SummerSlam? Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, Ronda and – in kayfabe style, Ronda is going to want her rightful rematch when she's healthy. So I guess the running questions moving forward is, can Ronda Rousey stay healthy, number one? And number two, can you are they going to put Liv Morgan over a healthy Ronda Rousey in a straight-up fair match? I mean, the biggest question is, can Ronda Rousey stay out of in-school suspension that weekend when she gets kicked out of study hall by Mr. Pierce? <laughs> I, I saw Jason taking a drink of his Budweiser. I was like, I'm going in for the kill. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's one of the funniest things you do because just, that's the Ronda yeah, I yeah, want to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, want to be, I want her to come down on Friday night. Man, I can't believe she came down and cast in on me. That's not cool. I'm wearing a leather jacket. <laughs> uh, I don't want to smile. I ain't being a baby face. I, I'll be honest. I can't believe that's your guys' biggest takeaway from the, the – that was like my third biggest takeaway. But, okay, so what else happened, Jason? Uh, obviously, the men's money in the bank we can go there next. Um, we had the seven guys lined up, and then all of a sudden, here comes 
I want to say Pat McAfee. Um, shit, what's this dude's name? Oh my god, Pat McAfee would have been awesome. awesome at, at, yeah, at, no, Adam Pierce. Pat McAfee would have made me give the show like an A. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have marked out for Pat McAfee. No, I would have been like, fuck yes. No, Adam Pierce announces, theory. that's what I was thinking of, is Theory as the eighth Or as guy. I like to call him, Mystery. Because <laughs> Theory sounds like a dude who, who dabbles in magic and is also a pickup artist. Like, his name's fucking Theory? Like, is that a main event name? Is he going to headline WrestleMania with the name Theory? I guess we get ready to find out in his four weeks. His name is Theory. He's 24 years old with a goatee. His name isn't Theory. It's Connor. <laughs> <laughs> that's better than Theory. Fuck. I mean, that's it, it, neither here nor there. Yeah, um, go ahead. So, Adam Pierce. i to get that joke out. <laughs> Adam Pierce announces Austin Theory as the eighth entrance. Obviously, this is controversial because earlier in the night, number one, he drops the U.S. title to Bobby Lashley. Um, By submission. Right. Uh, so, I'm not a huge fan of uh, – I get it. You know, Lashley has a title. should be a good thing. It just feels like he'll be, he's a placeholder, so it allows Austin Theory to move up and ultimately win the money in the bank. But that's just a personal gripe because – I like Lashley, but neither here nor there. So, obviously, Austin Theory is the eighth man in. All the other guys looking around like, you know, well, that's kind of fucked up. But it plays on the fact that it's Vince's boy. So, yes, obviously, there's instant heat. Um, The match I thought was okay. I didn't think it was as, as bad as the women's match, but I didn't think it was. I've seen better money in the bank men's ladder matches for sure. It's probably somewhere in the gray. Um think Kofi might have been missed, but, you know, I guess you have Seth Rollins. Neither here nor there. Obviously, like I said, Austin Theory wins, and now the speculation starts to run rampant, and they, they didn't even wait on the fact about, you know, he could possibly cash in at SummerSlam to even tease this. So this might be a four-week cash-in in some form or fashion because, obviously, at SummerSlam, we have Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar. God, I really hope he doesn't. For the uh, unified, undisputed title, and in the last man standing match. So once again, to me, it's kind of like you have Natalia and Ronda Rousey. In, that, in their case, it's a straight-up match. But Ronda Rousey is came out, you know, very scathed. In a last man standing match against, you know, two rivals who it's their last match. Yeah, whatever, motherfucker. You, you know, you said that about Cena and Rock, and you did it a year later, but that's neither here nor there either. Okay, so now it's their last match. Whoever is the winner is not going to be at near 100%. If you're Austin Theory, this is probably is going to be as good as it's going to get, so you might as well try to, you know, take your shot now. If it, if Brock wins, you have the tie-in with Brock squashing him in MSG. If Reigns wins, then you can start something new with Roman Reigns and then, you know, have that pay off a year, two years down the line. Ultimately, I don't, once again, I don't have a problem with Austin Theory winning, I have a problem with the execution getting from point A to point B. Why was he the U.S. champion? You All you had to do was allow someone else, I don't give a rat's ass who it was, not unless you just want to have him to be the youngest U.S. champion, the youngest to win money in the bank, the youngest this, youngest that. Okay, I see a running theme. That's great. But you didn't have to have him be the youngest U.S. champion. Just make him win the an entrance or qualifying match like everybody else did. But once again, I get the why, too. Two be your thoughts. This match was fine, but it was in the lower half of Money in the Bank. Agreed. And literally brought 
the entire show down like at least a full letter grade, maybe a letter grade and a half. Uh, Damn. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad. Sense. You literally already had like a TBD. Like there was already a TBD and then we have to add like an eighth person. It's just like so sloppy. And it, it's not heat on theory. It's heat on like Vince and the company. Like they company. don't have enough of that. You know, right. <laughs> uh, I just don't understand. It's just, it's just pure laziness. Um, but yeah, I mean, good for theory, like whatever. I mean, I'm not going to shit on the fact that he has money in the bank. Cause like Jason said, like, you know, we complain about WWE not making new stars. Like they're obviously trying to do something with theory. Um, is he that guy? I don't know. I, I don't see it yet. He's got a good physique. Um, he's definitely like a WWE type dude. Like he's not the kind of guy that right now I would think you could build a company around, but he's still young, you know? Um, so we'll see. So I'm not going to shit on them, you know, working to build a big star when they're young. Cause that's what we say to do, even if it's not the person that I think is worthwhile, but like just the way that you get there, um, it's just dumb. I just, uh, I just thought it was so dumb it was it's just like Brock whenever they had Brock come in and he wasn't even like announced in the match and then he just like came in and <laughs> excuse me it. Mr. Mustafa Ali oh, oh. <laughs> that, that was worse Brock was worse Brock was Brock worse, was worse. Yeah, that motherfucker so came up and snatched that motherfucker because at least they gave like, it to somebody shit. who's never had the belt before you know that's funny at least they gave it to a mid carter an upper, upper mid carter you know yeah um, I, I once again, I got negative and positive things to say about it. I'll give you the, I'll give you the bad stuff first. If, first of all, we all put our predictions down, and predictions matter, and none of us could predict theory because theory wasn't in it. So fuck you, Vince, first and foremost <laughs> for that. More so than the, no, you know, I'm kidding. Uh, but seriously, when Adam Pierce comes out. If the whole gimmick is Austin Theory or Theory is the chosen one, you know, the old McIntyre pick, the old McIntyre spot, I should say, then Pierce should come out and kind of be reluctant about it. Or Pierce should come out and maybe knock over a ladder and seem mad about it. Like, tell a fucking story. Like, if Austin Theory is the chosen one because he looks good and because Vince likes him, he should lose more. Have him be a chicken shit heel. This is one of those times where you could have a chicken shit heel and it would work. Now, Theory has gotten himself over. He's gotten Bobby Bobby Lashley. And I'm not saying that Bobby Lashley has nothing to do with it, but Austin Theory is somebody that audiences want to see punched in the face. And Bobby Lashley is a good guy to do it. Lashley was the most over guy on the entire show. Yes, he was. Uh... The other thing is, if you bring him in eighth and Adam Pierce comes out and announces him, you know he's going to win. What is the point of the build to it if you just know, like, what it, what would be the point of him coming in and not winning? Right. Now, they 
there was a couple times where I was like, oh, shit, I think that Drew's going to win. I, my favorite spot of the match, I think, was when Drew was pinned underneath the ladder and then pressed it when Sheamus was on it. Like, I thought that was cool as fuck. That's, you know? that's a serious strike. We haven't seen it yet, and it looked cool. Right. And it was smart of Sheamus, kayfabe style, to put him underneath the ladder so he couldn't get back up. And then it was a feat of strength from a pro wrestler to lift up the ladder. I thought that. It's what you said. We haven't seen it before. We haven't seen it before, and it was it was neat. Right. You know. I am with you. I don't mind it being put on Theory, although I think that Theory's whole persona is still mid-card. I mean, taking selfies of yourself, that's a mid-card gimmick. That is, that is a, a fuck, fuck, a Breezango. A Tyler Breeze. Tyler Breeze had that gimmick, what, eight years ago in NXT? <laughs> so... That's a mid-card gimmick to me. I don't mind him winning. I do like them making new stars. Jason brought up a great point where he said that the match was missing Kofi. If you've ever seen, if you've ever YouTubed Austin Theory at Progress Wrestling or something, Progress, he could have evolved, sorry. He could have been the guy. He does some crazy shit there. I mean, he's a superior athlete. He's fucking, he's a crazy, he's a crazy wrestler. And you wouldn't know that by watching WWE television from week to week because they make him pretty fucking basic. So it always helps a money in the bank match when you have a Kofi or a Shelton or, you know, even, you know, maybe another black guy I'm not even thinking of. (laughs) But if you, if you have, you ain't seen if you have Theory in it, I didn't feel like Theory did anything spectacular in the match either. My biggest problem was no. w- watching it live, him coming in as the eighth guy. I was like, well, fuck. This takes all the piss out of it. Right. Because I know what's going to happen. Right. And with the guys that they had in there, I knew there weren't going to be any fucking super crazy spots. Not that I need super crazy spots, but it is a Money in the Bank match. It is a ladder match. You expect to expect that, yeah. I was going to say. I mean, the, the the only crazy spot was when almost. Oh, I just did it. I just fucking pronounced it like Zach. Fuck, man. <laughs> when Omas, <laughs> Omas, uh, got thrown through those tables, looked pretty rough. Yeah, pinning him in the uh, pin him with the the ladders was a smart move, but it was like you. There's nothing that really stood out, and like you said, when Theory was announced as the eighth guy, you don't bring him out unless you're. You're planning to and can theory, give I mean, him the win. We've already seen Theory get whooped by Brock twice. I mean, remember in the in the elimination chamber, chamber, they were the only two left. Brock threw him off the top of that uh, the cell or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Brock threw him around like a fucking cabbage patch doll. Man, it was not. It, it, okay, now you you see. All so roads first, lead to Roman, though, because they were trying to make Brock look strong so that Roman looks stronger when he beats him at WrestleMania. Okay, I'll say this, and Tubir, you can jump in on this, and I want to talk about the Usos, Street Profits, before we move along. Um, so Brock has whipped him twice, okay? Let's just say for the sake of argument, Brock wins the last man standing match. Now that you have... This is their W. It's their long story, sto- long-term storytelling, but it's WWE, so this is their story. Brock has whooped Theory twice, squashed him in both occasions, and now Austin Theory has the upper hand. I see how you can make that as something that could be a thing. Brock wins last man standing. Austin Theory comes out, cashes in. I don't think they'll go as far as to put the title on him 
over either or guy, but oh, I think they will. Weird shit happens. I think what we're looking at, like in real time, and we use this we use this term a lot, but they have strapped the jetpack to him. He was in a huge spot at WrestleMania. Not only the Elimination Chamber, he was in a huge spot where it was just him and Brock Lesnar, even though he bumped the whole time. Probably shoot style. He was. He probably had no control <laughs> yeah, over it. Right say, like, like, hey, Brock, can you take? Oh shit! Had a huge yeah, spot. I, I'm bumping a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> had a huge spot at WrestleMania with Vince and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Won the U.S. Championship and then lost the U.S. Championship and won the Money in the Bank on the same night. This feels like Cena to me. This feels like 2003 John Cena to me, which was before Money in the Bank. But, man, it seems like they definitely – this is not just like, oh, let's put him in this spot and see how he does. This is a – this guy's the future of the company, and we are strapping the jetpack to him, and we're going to see how it goes. No, I think you're right. I mean, he's getting all the high-profile stuff, uh, whether or not – that means that they will stick with him um, is another thing, or if he succeeds or if he becomes a star, but uh, they're doing all of the things that you would do. Um, I mean, they're telegraphing their moves. Like Here, they're saying this, this is the future. Here's the thing. It's, it almost never happens in WWE where somebody is put into a spot where it's impossible for them to succeed and they don't succeed. Like, when you think about Cena, and you think about Roman Reigns, and really, I don't think that I'm being too lofty here when I compare Austin Theory's rise to those two guys. I I mean, obviously, they're all a little different, but that's what I'm seeing. And people will look at Cena and Roman Reigns and be like, those are two very successful pro wrestlers. It's like, yeah, despite everything, it's not be, it's not because and maybe it is because the most the most talented, maybe it is because they worked the hardest, but it's not because the crowd loved them. And it's not because I mean, it took them forever to find Roman Reigns to do something where we were all like, "Oh fuck, this rules." And Cena never really got there. I think he's there now. Nah. At, no, I think I, honestly, and I caught myself like you know, you know, reminiscing. That was you know last week when we were talking about you know some of John Cena's best matches. AJ Styles, I think, is one of his best matches, but we forget about his rivalry with Edge and Batista. So as I, why did we forget about those though? Because for, they're forgettable. For me, yeah, the, Cena. Cena is not about his in-ring work. Cena is about um, his reactions from the fans and his. Stuff outside the ring and being a company representative. No question and about just it. Being a human being. No question yeah. about it. Okay, I'm not. I'm not going to sit up here and, and tout John Cena in the name of Zack Saber Jr., Brian Danielson, and anybody else along that ilk. I'm just saying, for me personally, as Cena has gone away and I don't have him on my radar all the time, I appreciate the fact where he comes back now. When he now he's doing what he should be doing and putting the next generation over. Even if it's Roman Reigns, it's something for Roman Reigns to build his uh, character on versus John Cena going after number 17. Yeah, okay. I I, I don't want to get too far in the weeds on this. So no, no, that, we're that, done. That's fine. Uh, 
maybe afterwards because I have some thoughts. Okay. Uh, but Street Profits versus Usos. Honestly, I did not have a lot of expectations for this match, and it's just because we've seen it so many times in so many different variations, whether it's singles, six-man, whatever the case may be. And I said it last week. I thought, you know, we did everything you could possibly do. <laughs> Never mind. Match of the night. And it wasn't even close. It was not even close. I think this is the WWE Tag Team Match of the Year, as far as I'm concerned, up to this point until you show me anything different. I think it might be the WWE. Well, no, there's the Cody Seth. Okay. But, Zach, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, Jason's 100% right. Tag Team Match of the Year for WWE. I wasn't like necessarily looking forward to it, even though I, I figured it would deliver uh, because of the talent involved. But the crowd was hot. And I tell you what, this is like one of those times where if it's me and I'm in Gorilla and I'm hearing those fans, I'm calling an audible and I'm like, Montez Ford Tim's one of those dudes because this crowd wanted this so bad. Those near falls were so hot. So did your boy uh, want- watching it live. Yeah. I, I was, I, like I said, I was watching it live and it is it is a completely different animal and uh, I, I don't, I don't want to let my listeners down by telling them this, but most pay-per-views I don't watch live. Most pay-per-views <laughs> I watch after the fact. I was watching this one live, and I was so ready to pop, and those near falls had me out of my seat, alone by myself, out of my seat, marking out. It was an incredible match. Let's not – all the focus is on Montez Ford all the time. The Usos are the Usos. Everybody knows that they're great. Everybody knows what they can do. Angelo Dawkins fucking rules. Also, no, he, he this fucking, is one of his, this is one of his rules. better matches. I will, and I'm not a big Angelo Dawkins guy. First to admit it. I thought the fact incredible. That, I thought the fact that they teased a you know dissension between the Street Profits towards the end of the match was a little weird. But I'll tell you what, when Adam Pierce came out for the eighth guy, I was like, in my Eight natural lights into the night, three ninety nines into the night. I was like, "Please let it be Montez Ford." Oh my god, that place would have gone ape shit. That if, guy is. If on you the, wanted to do a, they got to strike while the iron's hot with that guy. If though. you wanted to do the audible, that was the audible. Oh my god, that place would have come gone un- glued. Unglued. You got him now. He's the money in the bank, and then and from that point, if you want to do Austin Theory and Montez Ford, you could do it and, that way. And then you got him splashing. Him frog splashing a hurt Brock Lesnar at the end of SummerSlam? I mean, you talk about a moment. That's what we're talking about. Give this man the pen. I mean, he motherfucker jumps. I put it on that thread. I said, put the belt on this guy and let him cook because he is a star. He's a star. He's a star. He's a big, Big, bright, bright, shining shining star. star. And you know who said that? (laughs) Dirk Diggler talking to his own dick in the mirror at the end of Boogie Nights. That's how I feel watching Montez Ford. Outside of that, obviously, we talked about Lashley winning the U.S. title. Carmella loses to Bianca, but then attacks her post-match, so we're going to probably have some spillover from that. That is really it for Money in the Bank. Um, I think we covered it. I don't have any really last thoughts to it. Lashley, just like I said, it just personally bothers me because I feel like Austin Theory's now blowing by Bobby Lashley while he's holding down the mid-card title, but neither here nor there. Um, 
Give it a winner, great. I hope they can revisit. I would like to see them revisit that as a world title belt championship at some point. You planted the seeds if you if you can get one also, or the other. Also, one of them's twenty one years older right. than the other one, right. which is so fucked up. Probably last week. <laughs> Jesus, I mean that's fucking crazy. Somebody showed him when he first got to WWE and showed a, a picture of you now in WWE. Not much difference. He's great. Uh, a letter grade, I'd give it a, I'd give it a B minus. I was, I was entertained as fuck the entire way through, and it wasn't the natural lights. It wasn't the ninety nine. <laughs> it was probably the lack of weed. <laughs> Two beer, give it a letter grade. Uh, yeah, having, I think I would have bumped it up if I was watching it live, but since I wasn't, uh, this is a C minus for me. I was going to say C minus as well. Fair enough. Let's get to that two count. Two beer, what's the two count? I'm going to go check on the baby. Two count, we got AEW Dynamite. Uh, open the show with uh, Wardlow versus Scorpio Sky in a street fight for the TNT title. So, uh, match was fine. Nothing uh, remarkable or anything as far as, like, match quality. But it was definitely momentous in the sense that um, – we didn't get a lot of fuckery. Uh, that's kind of why I thought Sky was going to, you know, propose the street fight. But we didn't really see a lot of that from American Top Team. Uh, it was more about Scorpio Sky going out there on his own, even though it was a little Lambert interference. But there kind of always is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, remarkable because Wardlow won the TNT title. This is something that probably should have happened a little more immediately. Um, I know... Sky had not the best run, mostly due to Sammy Guevara. A little bit of injury, a little bit of Sammy. Uh, I am looking forward to the kind of uh, what comeback of the TNT title, right? This this title has languished, and I feel like Wardlow, now that he has it, um, can bring back kind of that feeling of like when Miro had it like right. for instance where it was just a monster and he's just running through guys and they just need to feed dudes to him it, it doesn't necessarily have to be like a, a work rate title or anything they just need to feed the monster and then he can have big matches and stuff like uh, but let's get this thing meaning something again but um, man I think uh, I know like the world is ending but Dude, that was a lot of confetti. We should be a right. little less wasteful in the confetti department. <laughs> I was like, dude, he just he won the TNT title. Let's just, you know, keep things in fucking perspective. Um, it's the same for me, it's the same theory and for lack of a better word, where when Austin Theory came out on Money in the Bank, you knew what was gonna happen. When they announced this match last week, you knew what was gonna happen. There even if Scorpio Sky was completely healthy you wouldn't have put Wardlow in this situation if you didn't have intentions on him winning the title I totally agree with you about you know the the decline for lack of a better term of the TNT title fans kind of turning on Sammy Guevara didn't necessarily help the matter um Shit, who did, who had it before? Who had it after Sammy? Scorpio Sky. So yeah, it was it was basically between Sammy and Scorpio Sky, where you didn't have the the tradition, like you said, with Miro just having you know 
great matches for the title. It was really strictly about the title versus, you know, you hate Sammy because of things outside of the ring and, you know, the fact that he's not having good matches. Yeah, like you can like trace the lineage of that title and then all of a sudden it gets really murky. Like that title did mean something. Like Cody had it. He, I mean, Cody did an amazing job with it. Yeah, that's uh, what Mr. I'm saying. Brody Lee was a great champion. And then, yeah, Miro, and uh, then it's just all of a sudden you're it's like, like, oh, wait, who had it then? Who had it then? Did Pac have yeah. it? No. Pac's first title was the. Back and forth between Sammy and, uh, and Scorpio, like, so bad. Um, it just kind of ruined the, the lineage. So now I, I agree with you. At this point, Wardlow should be holding the title for an extended period of time. I would almost say towards the end of the year. I know that, you know, it feels like, you know, the end of the year is a long time, but hell, we're in July. Six months ain't necessarily a a bad uh, title reign. You can get Punk back. You can figure out the world title picture, and then you can move him up yeah. to go at that point. You know what I would do? I would have Wardlow fight 20 security guards next week, and the 20th one pins Wardlow, and then they all come out next week wearing TNT titles. That would, that would that would <laughs> this this motherfucker here. While I was gone, did you guys talk about Wardlow Swanton? No, no. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ! I was I was going. He said work rate, and I was thinking that in my head, and I was going kindly say I disagree with that a little bit because of things like that. Wardlow being. Six whatever, two sixty whatever. Man, look, you ain't got no goddamn business pulling out no swan time like that and doing it that well. Uh, it was it was oh, perfect. Yeah, I it mean, I always because last time he did it, he overshot it. This time it was like boom. But on the last mark. time he did it was probably six months ago. No, he just recently did. He did. Yeah. Well, he doesn't have to bust it out every time. No. He should just do I think it. He should do it rarely. Occasions, yeah. Um, that was a uh, funny joke, by the way, Bill uh, and. Uh, I did it. I did see somebody on Twitter compare Wardlow and call him the Jasmine St. Clair of uh, wrestlers because he likes to take on 20 dudes at once. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, how depraved does Zach have to be to bring up a porn star that I don't know? I know the porn star. I'm like, where the fuck is he going with this? No clue. It's, it's pretty no old. Clue. It's pretty old. Jasmine St. Clair is or the joke? <laughs> yeah. yeah, some dial-up stuff. No, the porn. That's funny shit. Oh, I got a couple uh, classics yeah. like that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, Bill, do you have anything before we move on on the TNT title? No, it was it was the right move. I, I, totally. I think I think they should have done it probably the week after Wardlow beat MJF, but I mean right. I, I've yeah. already I've already expressed my problems with that. Better late than never. He's he's the right yeah. guy to have it at this point. Yeah, for sure. Totally. Uh then we had uh Chris and Cage and Luke Soros come out and promo was kinda going nowhere until Matt Hardy came out and interrupted and then Oh my. Uh, I, I wanna give props to Jason because I've been thinking about something he said, like, for a week now, and it is 100% accurate. Like, we don't miss MJF because Christian Cage has just taken MJF's spot. That's 100% like what he's done. Not necessarily in storyline, but as far as just being a a heat magnet who says very controversial, on-topic things and delivers the promo really well, 
that's what he's doing. So, I mean, he does the whole, you know, Matt Hardy gets the pop because he calls him the Michael Jordan of being an asshole, which is a pretty good line. Uh, and then uh, Christian Cage, you know, said, you're starting to make your brother sound like the sober one, which <laughs> is <laughs> mega heat. I'm like, man, that motherfucker ain't right, dog. I'm sitting there watching it all last night like, oh, fucked up. That's fucked up. <laughs> so I was, I was thinking about this promo on the way home tonight from the dinner that I was at with my family because I knew that we were meeting late. And I was I was thinking about AEW, and I was thinking, man, that Christian promo was just fucking rough. I mean, and that got a lot of heat, and the people started ch- chanting "asshole, asshole, asshole," because, you know, as I've heard, I've heard some people say that you know wrestling fans are fed up with Jeff Hardy too and his bullshit, and I just that's not the way that I feel at all. I just feel really bad for him that he's that he's still going through this shit and that he can't get his shit right and then i was thinking man i wonder if jeff hardy like i wonder what the politics or what the discussion is between christian and matt hardy who have an encyclopedia britannica's uh 26 volumes worth of history together jesus what's the encyclopedia Britannica? what's what's the fucking (laughs) what's the conversation that goes on before Christian's like, hey, can I use this line? Or Matt's like, hey, you should use this line. And then I think, you know, nobody's more aware that Jeff Hardy is not sober or Jeff Hardy has a problem than Jeff fucking Hardy. And nobody's been in the wrestling biz for their entire life like Jeff Hardy. I bet Jeff Hardy fucking loved it. Or, you know, as much as he can love it when he's, you know, not allowed to TV in his 28 day rehab facility no shit. or whatever. Yeah, but, I was going to say, I, but I mean, sit here and say he loved that, but go, <laughs> you know, point taken. I don't know. I, th- I think that, uh, I think that uh, Marks and Smarks, I think they put a lot more. Now, listen, it sounds cool in a promo. It certainly does. It popped me. Oh, yeah. But when, when you really peel apart the onion and you think about it as a fan, I don't think there's any way that Jeff Hardy has a problem with that or Matt Hardy. No. Every, everybody not, knows what the score is. I'm sure Christian. I'm sure Christian is like calls Jeff Hardy. You know, on a on a on you know on a semi regular basis. Just I'm sure say, hey, that how you this doing? Was, or text him or whatever. You know, I'm sure they're. This boys. was done with some sort of blessing because yeah, it's, it's otherwise there'd be mega real. Yeah, I think there would be a bigger it issue than what it was. Badass on a promo. Though. Oh, what he like, said, I was like, God. <laughs> Damn, yeah, me too. <laughs> Scorched earth, baby. Joe did this shit and it ruled. Like Samoa Joe's was even better. <laughs> he was like, know? yeah, well, he was like, look, look. He's talking to Jeff. He's like, look, act like this is an AA meeting and just, you know, sit here and be quiet. Was that in WWE? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, hell no. <laughs> that is good. <laughs> he was like, I, I wish I could remember exactly what he said. It was just like, you know, basically sit here and shut up and act like this is an AA meeting and just sit here and listen to what the fuck I got to say. I was like, oh, Jesus Christ. That's where Christian is right now. As much as I like MJF, and I, I was talking to Brett about this last week, and I said it last week, I really think that the fact that MJF was brought up this week is a good, you know, it's a positive sign. You know, we're not just, you know, we can't talk about him like it's WWE type shit. Because because I because I missed last week, and I didn't get to talk about Black Luchasaurus or Luchasaurus Dark or whatever they're calling him now. Just Luchasaurus. 
Yeah, why but he's, say, he's why, a bad why, guy, so he's like black Luchasaurus. So why does he got to be black Luchasaurus? I don't understand. What the Who is all black? <laughs> the man's shit still says Luchasaurus. Um, He's just more likely to get killed by police now. <laughs> <laughs> Son, what are you doing over here in this neighborhood at this time? Pull this shit over. <laughs> Christian's like, this guy broke into my yard. <laughs> say, Man, I've been protecting you all week. This is how you going to do me. <laughs> um, Tony Khan, I heard, I listened to like a 45-minute interview with him last week on a podcast. And he is uh, very coked out. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Very coked out. <laughs> I was talking to Tinder Mahal about this on the phone because Tinder Mahal called me or I called him while I was listening to the while I was listening to the interview, and I was like, "Dude, because uh, the the podcaster asked him about uh, you know pushing black talent, and I swear to God, he like he, like the record in his head starts clipping. He skipping. He was like, you know, Powerhouse Hobbs, Jade Cargill, Scorpio Sky, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, Jade Cargill, uh, Scorpio <laughs> stop, Sky. Stop, we got Jade stop, Cargill, Scorpio stop. Sky. Like, like <laughs> I was like, oh, this guy's coked out. Like, <laughs> I know, Keith Lee, Keith I, I was like. But um, God, God bless him though, because when the Luch- when the turn on Jungle Boy happened, and Luchasaurus came out ready to kick Christian's ass, and then Christian hugged him like the big, you know, the R word that you're not allowed to say, but like the big Mongo that uh, wait, you're not allowed to say that either. Fuck, ah, Jesus, <laughs> just a big, I guess, dinosaur. I was like, this is never going to work. Luchasaurus is very low on the totem pole as far as my fandom goes about who I care about. And then to have him come out in all black wearing a black mask, I was like, oh. And Christian's out there in a turtleneck. I was like, god damn, this looks fucking perfect. Now I'm invested. I was like, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> Christian. You got to wear that mask because you got a forehead like a drive-in movie theater. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Plays a good shit so we don't punch his bunches. <laughs> but he's... God damn! We got this one kid named Mongo. He's like a got a forehead like a drive-in movie theater, but he's a good shit. So we don't bust his chops too much. MJF brought Wardlow up. Christian, at this rate, is going to bring Luchasaurus up. That's why I was upset, and I'll beat this drum until they prove otherwise, or MJF comes back. Christian is taking the MJF role, like it or not. He's probably not going to have to wrestle a lot, so that's MJF anyway. You know. I mean, this is that that more. I don't want to get into a big argument about this. That more says to me that MJF is just an old school fucking heel than Christian is like this cutting edge type of dude. Like MJF, that's just how old school heel MJF is. I guess. Yeah. No, that makes sense. No, no, I, that, I have no problem with you saying that at all. That started coming out yeah, of my mouth like an insult, and then it ended up being a compliment. I was like, actually, I no, talked it, myself into it. No, it's, it's like I'm at my counselors. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah, yeah, you're well, right. Yeah, yeah, oh, right. Yeah. I say, what the fuck am I, I paying do, you I for? do have lots of shame. <laughs> I say, God damn it, I can do this shit myself. Go ahead, Two Beer. All right, so next we had uh, Keith Lee for Strickland versus Butcher and the Blade. Um, this was not a good match, and baby faces went over. But uh, kind of the high fight of the match was afterwards. Uh, Team Taz comes out, which is Hobbs and Starks. And, like, Hobbs starts out and he does, he does fine. And then Ricky Starks just takes over. And Oof. he's so worked up. And he's cutting his promo 
and Swerstrick was like leaning out the ropes, like talking shit, like while Ricky's trying to cut his promo, and he's just like, "I'll beat your ass right now!" And he just <laughs> starts taking off, like strutting up and down the ramp. And yeah, his his inner Ric Flair. <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, dude, Ricky Stark says getting ready to explode. Somebody get him calmed down, please. Good Lord. And Hobbs is just laughing his ass <laughs> That's off. Like, he can't even, like, it was so good. Uh, then the Bucks come out, and I know that they're cocky heels, but they pretty much pitched uh, a three-way, which is not necessarily psychologically a heel thing that champions would do because uh, you would want to hold on to your title. But – they're kind of playing the cocky heels. They had a great line that said, you know, you guys had a great match at Double or Nothing. It was four and a half stars. And they're like, that's like an off night for the Young Bucks. I'm like, dude, they ain't wrong about that. <laughs> like, so, <laughs> Come on, uh, man. They're the greatest tag team of all time. Even more, even more uh, good. But, um, but, yeah, psychologically a little weird. But uh, the I think the main takeaway out of all of this, bad tag match, better tag segment after the fact, the main takeaway is that while the Bucks are pitching this match, the entire crowd is chanting FTR, FTR loudly. So, I mean, the fans want, we all want FTR versus the Bucks for all the marbles, for all the belts, for all the titles. They're going to make All the wait. TNT titles that exist, um, all the belts in the crowd. Start throwing your shit in here. You got a belt? Throw that shit in the middle. Okay, so. They're going to make them wait for FTR versus the Bucks. They're going to make them wait until what's the next pay per view? All All out. out. Yeah. All out. Yeah, I was going to say it's. They do four year. All out is the last of the four, correct? Yeah. Usually it's Labor Day weekend. Hopefully they can hold on to all those belts because they're only in control of two of them. You know, you got the IWGP and the AAA. They're not in control of those. I don't think. New Japan is going to strip them because, you know, they can't come over. Well, you They're going to make them, you know, every attempt to make sure they can come over. Yeah, and last week. Or somebody comes over here and defends the title. I, I said this off off air, but last week I did listen to the entire podcast. Or maybe I said it on there. But you guys are exactly right. Like, I want FTR in the World Tag in the World Tag League, so we can so we can see FTR in the World Tag League. You know, I want to see all these motherfuckers fight in Japan. I want to see, I, I want what I want. Give me what I want. <laughs> I'm like Batiste, right? <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. If Swerve Six, if I was cutting a promo and Swerve Strickland starts talking during my promo, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at him. I'm gonna be like, Hey, motherfucker. I'm not a movie theater screen. Shut the fuck up. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Oh, my golly. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> I used to go to the Esquire at Sundays on 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I was about uh, to say. It, 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 it's running commentary with the commentary. My biggest takeaway is I'm, I'm waiting for Swerve to turn on Keith Lee. The bump or pounce or the, the miss pounce was the point of the match where I was like, okay, if Butcher and Blade win, this is going to be something to talk about. Because Keith Lee and Swerve won, it's like what they say about, you know, sports teams. Winning is the best to order it. So, at that point, you don't think about it. Next week, somehow, some way, I think Keith Lee and Swerve have some sort of misstep. You think next week? The, t- the match is next week. Oh, okay. All right. You're saying during the match. Yeah, okay. somewhere in that right. triple threat. I didn't to realize title it was match. next week. Okay. 
they're going to have Isn't some sort of. God bless FTR, man. Or God bless AEW. I mean, God bless them. Just yeah, give me, here's just a triple give threat me, tag just team give title me match. matches. Just give me fucking matches. Here's, That's here's all Cardio and Jake Hager. No shit. <laughs> Jake Hager talking about you ain't been the champ. I'm like, motherfucker, you weren't the champ too long. Don't be talking shit. And I was like, oh, is, we'll is we'll Zeb Coulter going to be there? Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I agree. It was a shitty match. Uh, a very good segment afterwards. Um, I just, I, I mean, I have to echo the words of, and then we can move on. I have to echo the words of Tony Khan, like Powerhouse Hobbs, uh, you know, Jay Cargill, uh, you know, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, uh, Jay Cargill, uh, Swerve Strickland. Oh, man. Powerhouse Hobbs, Jay Cargill, uh, Jay Lethal. Swerve Strickland. Who? Jay Lethal. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Jay Lethal, yeah. Scorpio Sky. Scorpio Sky. Dante Martin. Jesus Christ. Lee Moriarty, where are you? Join the Black Pickle Compact Club, please. Go ahead, Two Beer. We're hijacking your shit. Looks more like the White Pool Combat Club than me. So, we had uh, one of those Malachi Black promos, which are just like literally the same thing. Like, I understand that. He's Malachi Black and the House of Black, and you know they're yeah, skippable the later in the show and stuff. But yeah, they're totally skippable. Like, who gives a shit? Um, then we had shouldn't be uh, that way, Eddie, but I agree. Eddie Kingston, which I, um, you know, was sad that this kind of got cut short because anytime Eddie Kingston comes out to do a promo, it's just going to be gold. But um, he's going to be facing Takashita, so a little hype uh, mention for Rampage. Like, I don't always watch Rampage, and I definitely rarely watch it live. Like, Friday night, like, I'm, you know, hitting the food carts, like, whatever. Like, I, like I'm i not, like, sitting in front of my TV, like, on Friday night. But um, Takashita is, like, one of my favorite wrestlers right now. And Eddie Kingston is definitely one of my favorite wrestlers, and I can't wait. But anyway, um, you know, the uh, Mad King, Eddie Kingston, comes out, you know, starts cutting the promo, gets interrupted by the Jericho Appreciation Society. So Ruby Soho uh, avoided a fireball to the face, uh, but Tay- Ty Conti did uh, slam her hand in a card door, kind of an old-school um, angle. So um, that sets up, I don't know, Ty maybe it writes off Ruby Soho for a minute, uh, kind of adds fuel to the fire. But, uh, yeah, that was essentially that segment. We'll see where it goes. Uh, uh, I, I had a thought about this show. Same time. I'm driving home. My baby's crying. I'm just trying to put her out of my mind. I'm just trying to not think about my baby. Just take care of yourself back there. Sorry. Sorry you're having a rough time back there, but I'm thinking about wrestling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's nothing I can do for her at this point. All I can do is drive her on the highway and drive her home. I'm right. sober. I stayed sober at the at the dinner. Come Look on. Look at you. I know. Thank you. Uh, is this the first Dynamite where none of the so-called four pillars made an appearance there was no sammy guevara no darby allen uh no jungle boy and no mjf darby allen uh was after the the main event um when brody lee was going up the ramp darby allen and sting came out brody king yeah i'm sorry uh brody king was going up the ramp darby allen and sting caught him at the ramp I don't remember what Darby Allen said, but basically it ended with a handshake and 
Brody King and Malachi Black walked up the ramp. So yeah, it was I, like to get it was like to get I, Brody King some heat back and give him a rub for losing. So I, I guess I missed that part, but we all did. Unless no, you it watched after- it on Fight TV. Oh, I got I got you. It was if, it was off air. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah that, that's a good observation for sure. Uh, we had uh, Dark Order. I know this is uh, Bill's favorite segment. Well, they came out with uh, negative one, so they're all there to stay, which is apropos considering Alan Angels was just not cut, but his contract was not renewed. Right. So, you know, they had like six of the Dark Order there, and they said, you know, they're here to stay. QT uh, Marshall comes out, <laughs> starts cutting a promo on 10-year-olds. Negative one. <laughs> I'm like, dude, come on, man. <laughs> and you know better. Like some, you know, they showed some uh, history. So negative one done some. He, he, there's been some capers. He's been a little. Uh, <laughs> he's been a little, uh, you know, irritable for QT, like deep pantsing him and stuff. So um, it, it's kind of fun. Uh, so we're setting up a long-term storyline. <laughs> oh, Jesus QT Christ. Marshall. And negative one. So negative one says he's going to wait till he's 18, even though he can beat QT Marshall right, right now. Right now. Wait, <laughs> like, like, what, 12? Jesus Christ, I ain't got six years. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, uh, genius on QT Marshall's part to uh, start, a, to start, a, start a long-term feud with a child who, like, he's definitely going to stick around in the company. Uh, yeah, as long as his company is alive, shit, it, it, Negative one has a job. P- please believe that shit. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's all this was. And then, you know, Hangman comes out. And um, it, it was Rochester. So that's why, that's why we got a dark. I'll go for Brody so. League, you know. And I don't definitely don't have a problem with that. Definitely. Um, they made, they made, made mention of him during the uh, the Warlord Scorpio Sky match. And like you said, the the, uh, the event was at Rochester. So it was just, it would have been impossible not to talk about Brody Lee in some form or fashion. Totally. Um, so, yeah, and then um, I don't know if this was then, but we should we should talk about it because it's not my notes here. Uh, just the fact that Jake Hager and uh, Claudio are going to wrestle on Fighter Fest. So, right. pretty fun promo. Uh, they both cut pretty decent promos. Uh, I, thought, I thought this was a good use of, like, one... 60 to 90 seconds of like TV time. I thought like, this is like how you set up a match. And, you know, Jake Hager was just like, dude, you're a mid Carter. He's like, I'm a main eventer. He's like, you never won a title, main title in ROH. You never won a main title in WWE. Which, like, they don't usually speak to you, you know? <laughs> he said that shit. I was like, uh Oh, <laughs> I'm sitting in the recliner. I'm like, you know, I'm watching this shit. I'm like, yeah, okay. These motherfuckers talking shit. And as soon as he said that WWE line, I like sit up and was like, uh Oh, <laughs> Oh, now we got some problems. Fuck him up. Claudio. Fuck his ass up. <laughs> My favorite part of the promo, the blue girl Raven tweeted this. And <laughs> It was like reminded me of how good it was, which was uh, JK was like, You're not hard like me and Claudia was like, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It was great. And uh, you know, Claudio just said like he's like, you know, he beat Zack Saber Jr., he's undefeated, um, in AEW and you know, they won the blood and guts and basically said like we wanted to get to your team, he's like, Oh wait, 
it's not your team. Right. It's the guy you carry the bags for his team. Uh-oh. And, um, <laughs> yeah. I was like, ah, oh, shit. Good, good back and forth there. So. Well, they uh, they yeah, they know each other well. I'm sure they're buddies. They they were traveling together as I forgot about the real Americans until you said that here and the real Americans before the bar was the bar. I like the real Americans just because I thought Hager, in this case, it was Jack Swagger and Cesaro. I thought they were a good team because they were good in ring. You just needed somebody to talk for them. You know what I'm saying? Claudio in in last night's episode. For that, whatever, two minutes, I thought he held himself very well. Jake Hager did what he was supposed to do, being the bad guy, but well, Claudio, I thought, did very well. I have to think that in WWE, he everything he said was scripted, and in AEW, Tony Khan and the powers that be are probably like, hey, go do your thing, man. You know, you, we know it's scripted in WWE. Even in AEW, when you like, you know, go do your thing, it doesn't necessarily mean success. You know what I'm saying? For this scenario, it worked. Yes. I want to yeah, see no more way. of that as we go forward. Uh, yeah, likewise. Uh, we had uh, Penta Skiro and uh, Roosh. So Roosh making not his debut, but like a single match debut. And, I mean, Roosh comes off like a star. Uh, Two-time ROH champion? Yeah, he is a he is a star, and I mean this match was pretty good. I don't know that it was the best. I don't know. I think I think Roosh is a bigger star than this match kind of had him coming off as, and then you know he won with a low blow and and unmasking Pinto, so it was you know a tainted victory because he is a heel, of course, but. I don't know. I think I think Roosh is a big star, and, and as Bill says, it's an embarrassment of riches. So it is what it is. He is um, a two-time ROH heavyweight champion. Yes, sir. With the yeah, name Roosh. Yeah. Yes, sir. R U S H. Yes, sir. Yep. <sighs> I mean, the, uh, your as your humble correspondent uh, who pays attention to a lot of wrestling like I, I high five time you better as my wrestling lord and savior I don't, high five time you better come get this man i don't i mean I, but i'm i'm being honest about it you know a, a lesser podcaster would say oh i've heard of this guy and right. yeah i like him a lot <laughs> no keep it that, real dog. that being said uh, i i really enjoy this match as i enjoy all penta matches i was this the first time you saw roosh yeah yes what you think First time I ever heard of him. Okay. Uh, and, unless I'm forgetting something. I have. No, um, it's, you didn't fed, watch Ring of Honor. I've had much. a busy couple of years. Yeah, but I read all the I read all the dirt sheets. I read all the recaps. Okay. I read recaps of ROH pay-per-views that I don't Part watch. Part of the problem with Roosh is he was a pan- pandemic champion. Oh, I might not have been paying attention to Ring of Honor during that. I will say this. If you want to give me the Lucha Brothers versus Andrade and Roosh in a tag team match, Fucking bring it on. Also, calling yourself the white bull, you know him for that. <laughs> <laughs> this motherfucker here. Um, or as I like to call him, the Blanco Toro. Oh, sorry, Toro Blanco. Toro Blanco. Um, so, in, See, I, I guess it's, Espanol. what, three different scenarios you've had LFI take off masks from Phoenix and Penta. 
we can't do mask versus mask because Penta is doing one in AAA. So I guess ultimately we're getting to a tag team match like Bill was saying. For me personally, as a guy that watched ROH, I would love to see Dragon Lee come over. Give me Dragon Lee and Phoenix 20 minutes. That's all I ask for it for this point. It would be great if they had like a cruiserweight, you know, junior heavyweight, you know, division. That would be something that you you can have those two in. But for me, a dream match if you're going to do it and make it make sense. Dragon Lee is part of LFI. Bring him on in. Have him link up with Phoenix and do the damn thing. Right on. Uh, we are backstage. Uh, Smart Mark Sterling's trying to get, <laughs> get signatures to get Swerve Strickland out of AEW, which is just kind of a silly gimmick. But uh, he's trying to get Orange Cassidy to sign. And uh, Dan Housen comes up and says, like, oh, we should just like, do a match and you make a lot of money. Um, so I don't know. This is just kind of silly. Uh, but it leads to a silly way on. to set up, I think. That would be a really good match, Orange Cassidy versus Tony Nese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. But uh, yeah. So then we had a claim to the Gun Club versus Fair Country, uh, Leon Ruffin, is, is it? And uh, Fuego Del Sol. Dude, it's so, Leon Ruff from NXT. The, the, the I know, former but isn't he called the uh, former uh, NXT North American champion. I mean, I remember him. I know him, but I thought his name was like. No, I'm fucking with Bill on this one. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, I was responding to my 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 mother. Sorry, what no, you no, said? No, 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 no. I say, you you remember old Leon Ruff? Oh, I loved him. Yeah, yeah, but they were they yeah, but now he's in the team called Roughing It. That's it. So his name's still Leon Ruff, but his <laughs> yeah, name is Roughing It. Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. I I didn't I I I'll admit. Uh, I didn't uh, pay a lot of attention to uh, this segment (laughs) (laughs) with the gun club and the acclaimed and roughing it and uh, bear country. Oh, sorry. I just wrote down four on four because, uh, but then Billy Gunn turns on the acclaimed basically after just like him like a week earlier. It's like, I don't know. Okay. So let's just, let's talk about it. Two beer. You're the, the, Major AEW mark behind Bills two at second. I, 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 I don't understand how you you always put Zach above me. I feel like me and Zach are even when it comes to AEW fandom. Yes, Zach, do you disagree? Like I feel like I I suck their dick like as hard <laughs> as Zach does. Yeah, I don't that's know. I don't that's a visual I don't want to see ever again. Oh, life. just me sucking the whole company's dick? <laughs> I know no, you too. I know it's an audio medium, but I am sucking the microphone's <laughs> dick you right too. now. You so good. <laughs> <laughs> to <buku> my ass. <laughs> I love that movie. I love fucking Full Bell Jacket. Okay, acquainted as baby faces, yay or nay? I mean, I'm for it. Two beer? Uh, yeah, I'm for it. I, this was how they got there. Like, you know, it would have been a little more intriguing if it, but they pulled the trigger. Like, it would have been more intriguing to draw it out a little bit, but they pulled the trigger, acclaimed our baby faces, and yeah, it, it was it was what it was, and it was a practice. Okay. 
continue. Can, yeah, I mean, it was fine. Uh, I, have, I have almost no thoughts about it. It's I, yeah, I'm, we don't have to I, I'm pro acclaimed being baby phases. That's fine. It's yeah. it'll be a different change of I'll pace. I'll still fast forward. <laughs> How about this? Um, you know, being being from the Midwest, uh, are you guys pro thunderstorm or nah? Nah. I mean, every time there's a thunderstorm, I sit out on my porch and watch the thunderstorm like a typical Midwestern look Hoosier. Yeah, yeah, like, look at you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can't. Look at you. Listen, I'm come a. On, come I'm on a, back to South City, man. Shit. I, I did sit, in South can, City, too. People. Okay. People used to, people I was going to say, sit in my apartment and, get, and look at this thunderstorm. Ain't no, you know, ain't no part. You know, you open up a window, <laughs> you don't pick your head out. No, you just go outside. You just oh, watch no, 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 no. Fuck all that. You know where I live. You ain't going outside to watch a thunderstorm. You get your ass rolled. Man, I walk so in really, there, carrying thousands of dollars worth of equipment. <laughs> you better hurry. So, yeah, um, stand out there for five, ten, fifteen minutes and see what happens. I'll be fine. <laughs> go ahead, too. One, they one, recognize me as one of them. Where you sit on your porch and the air is getting thick. And then there's one thunderstorm where the ring is getting thick. <laughs> and that's the thunderstorm I'm talking about. Are you guys pro thunderstorm, or which is Thunderosa and Tony Storm as a tag team? Hey, it, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make uh, sense. Uh, what, what, should I make this joke? No, I shouldn't make this joke. <laughs> Uh, when Tony Storm's on the screen, I get thick, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> I was about to say, come on, man. I was about to say, hip, you know, hip attack? You know, I'll be, no, no, no. I will take the hip attack from Tony Storm. Go ahead, girl. Yeah. I ain't going to move. <laughs> I just I just want, like, her on a loop going, beautiful poached egg. <laughs> beautiful poached egg. Beautiful poached egg. <laughs> That's okay. That's the sad part about this whole match. It what did it really mean? Really nothing. Marina Shafir looked okay. Nagaro's been there, done that. Tony Tony Storm just. You guys watched it? Yeah, watched it. I didn't watch it. Get me to the next part, man. How much time do I have? Yeah, I think it's just there to sell T-shirts. I don't like it either. So if there was a women's Uh, tag team titles. Yeah, it would make sense now. Beautiful pouch, Dyg. Go ahead, two beer. That's so why great. I say to get into an Australian accent. Uh, Daniel Garcia challenging Wheeler Yuta for a pure championship. So we mm. got um, ring. We got the Ring of Honor TV title. We got Jay Lethal versus Mojo. Looks like the main event. We got Wheeler Yuta versus Daniel Garcia, and we also have. The FTR versus I don't, No, no, no. They threw it out there. They threw it out there. We ain't got the response yet. Don't get me that motherfucker Jason, excited. Jason. No, Jason. The they threw it out there. Twitter. They accepted it. <laughs> okay, never mind. Wait a minute. Yeah, I just got a little mini right here. Wait. Fucking Jason was waiting for a telegram about it. It's out there, dude. <laughs> 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 telegraph. Telegraph. Run down uh, your road in St. Charles. <laughs> the Briscoes are coming. The Briscoes are coming. <laughs> All of a sudden, I turn around. The Briscoes are right. fucking walking down the street with my lawnmower. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> they just came from the farm, boss. Uh, I didn't know. I so we didn't see that the Briscoes accepted. So, yes. I didn't either. I didn't either. Okay. So, now, this is... This is what I want to say about, you know, just the Briscoes, ROH in general. Tony Khan needs to get that 
shit going in some form or fashion. I feel he, like death before dishonor, he is getting going. No, 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 though. no. I'm just saying on a weekly basis, even okay. even NWA is on YouTube on a weekly uh, okay. basis. Right. Yeah. Okay? Mm-hmm. I think you can start with that until you get your TV deal. Fair. So that way you can start moving guys that feel like they're ROH guys or even guys or girls that aren't getting the time that you really want to invest in. Yep. Now you got the opportunity to do it. Mercedes Martinez and flipped heel. I'm like, what the fuck is this? How'd that happen? Her and Serena Deeb were running rampant on Rampage. I'm like, okay. It would be and nice to two borderline three AEW products that I don't watch. Like I don't watch Dark. I don't watch Dark Elevation. I rarely watch Rampage. Okay, I'm uh, just saying if you have a Jonathan Gresham's your champion, okay, you got FTR as your tag champions. I think between one of the two, that's a draw in. Now Samoa Joe's your TV champion. Mercedes Martinez is your women's champion. I think with that's a start. It's one hour. That's all I'm saying. There should be there should be a way to get ROH one hour every week on YouTube in some form or fashion. That's all I'm saying. Now, from that point, yeah. figure it out. I was just thinking, uh, I really want to watch this show, and I was, like, wondering. I'm going to have to look. Like, I don't know if it'll be available on Honor Club. Like, if it is. Like- right. I mean, I'll probably subscribe. Cause Fight, I think. Fight TV used to do a lot of Ring of Honor replays. That would probably be yeah, the first do, place. They'll I would do get. a replay, but they won't do it for no, a week I think, or so. I think they would do it live yeah. and then do a replay on it. Okay. Yeah, right. I want to see the show. I don't want to pay like 30 uh, bucks. Yeah, I'm saying show. without paying for it. You know what to do yeah. without paying for it. I know what to do without paying for it. I'm not going to say it on this podcast. <laughs> of course not. I want my torrent mothers, <laughs> my torrent brothers, to be able to keep doing it. That's right. right. What's next? El Torrent Blanco. Um, Ooh, I like that. So the uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll throw ten bucks at it, but like ten bucks money, you know, throwing all these pay per views. I got shit to do. Um, True story. Kids so, to raise. Yeah, uh, then we had. Um, the interim world championship match, Moxley versus Brody King. Uh, I mean, really, Brody King won this battle royal on Friday. Wrestle Moxley on Wednesday. It just totally seems like they're just feeding a dude to Moxley, even though Brody King's like a legit monster and a legit contender. I think the the proximity of those things happening just made it seem like there's no way in hell Brody King's winning. I have thoughts um, I have thoughts about this because I watched the Royal Rampage, which was odd, and I don't know if you guys watched it. I watched it. It was I didn't. It was odd to watch too. It was like, wait a minute, what is going on? There were two rings. It was like war game style rings, right. but there was a blue ring and a red ring. Right. And the champion or the people who won the blue ring and the red ring had to fight each other. In both rings at the end, I think? You could use both rings at the end, but... Anyway, it was interesting to me. I watched it, and I became it became very clear that I didn't understand the rules while I was watching. I was like, oh, man, this is really fucked up. But Brody King winning 
was a legit surprise. Same thing that I was talking about with Lib Morgan. I know Lib Morgan and Brody King get compared all the time, <laughs> but uh, it was much the same thing. So I was like, oh, I, 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 I was like, this is cool. In some I was like, form or fashion, I was like, are. I, I do want to see Brody King fight John Moxley. I mean, if you're feeding them to John Moxley, it's not like it was put off this huge deal. You know, AEW does Fighter Fest and they do. Uh, fight for the fallen and shit like that. You know, they do shit like that all the time. So if they're going to have a Royal Rampage just to see who's going to be fed to John Moxley on next week's Dynamite, I'm into that because I want to see the match between whoever wins and John Moxley. And when Brody King won, I was legit surprised. I was like, holy shit. I was like, that's a really weird pick. Now, Now I want to see the match that these guys have. And they had... A totally different match that John Moxley has had in AEW since he's been there, honestly. Felt like Brody King was... It's pretty rare that John Moxley fights somebody that much bigger than him. And fight underneath in, more than not. Ro- yes. And be dominated for that yeah, long. Because, yeah. Because then, Brody King dominated Moxley for a long time. And then Moxley won with a submission. Right. With a pass out, which yeah. you, you really never see. I don't know if we've ever seen it in AEW. But I'd rather, it's kind of like the, the stone cold, you know, fall on the sword kind of deal. I don't want to see Brody King tap out. I don't want to see Brody King pass out. Okay. Um, from that point, I did listen to a podcast where Tony Khan was talking about old school battle royals, what you had it being in two rings and then, you know, the two winners, basically winners, quote unquote, and you didn't even have the winners. You know, guys can go from one ring to the other, so you didn't, you weren't confined to one ring. I guess it's just one of those times where I would just wish that things were more clear. You know, here's the rules coming up front, and then go from there. Neither here nor there. I like Brody King as, as the contender to John Moxley, as a guy that once again watched ROH. Brody King was getting ready to wrestle Jonathan Gresham before – they shut down the doors. So it's not like Brody King is just out of right field. It's just one of those times where, for me, as watching ROH, that made sense. Did they pull him off the match because he's got terrible tattoos? <laughs> Look, as a guy that doesn't have tattoos, <laughs> I can't speak on it. I'll just say Really? Because I would say that you're tattooed all over <laughs> right right <laughs> right that points with me <laughs> was he yeah totally yeah he's in the season two of i think you should leave man i think that's the most racist thing i've ever said on this show no 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 <laughs> no saying, no it's, it's, i've said shit it's, more racist the most racist thing you've said on this show <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say I'll say this for me personally. I didn't have a problem with Brody King being the guy, but John Moxley was fed other guys when he was legitimate champion. Okay, take the interim portion off of it. No disrespect to Brody Lee, but Brody Lee was one of those big guys that was kind of fed to John Moxley. Okay, so. It's not necessarily one of those things for me that it's a a huge deal or it's a surprise or anything like that. Lance Archer, no, sorry, Lance Archer was um, Hangman Page. I, I take that back. 
He might have wrestled Moxley too, though. Um, For, oh, the, I, I Texas Death Match. Like Texas Death Match. Five, yeah, five days just seems oh, uh, like a quick turnaround. Archer wrestled Page and John Moxley. Archer wrestled Moxley in Texas Death, death Matches and Page in the Texas Death Match. So there you go. And it'll probably do it again for Moxley. <laughs> so, Jesus. No, I'll say, look, Lance Archer's big ass needs to be over here in Japan here in a little bit because the Actually, 16th he'll, he'll is running around. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, uh, overall, pretty easy dynamite. Um, I would say pretty average dynamite. And also, if you, I don't know if Phil watched it, um, if you have not seen Big Daddy Magic's yes. uh, promo, yes. it's actually worth checking out. Yes, um, both both uh, promos from 2.0. Um, I caught I them watch, on I guys. We you know guys tagged me on uh, Twitter and I watched both. I thought they were really good. I mean, it's not going to change, you know, overall what I think about them. They're not going to be main event guys, but I love the passion and I and the human element. And this is coming from a guy that doesn't have kids. Okay, when he was talking about you know. Matt Renard, I guess the Daddy Magic. Okay, when he was talking about his his babies taking his first steps. Okay, for me as that doesn't have kids, I was like, man, that's fucked up. Okay, that's fucked up. That's just me. I go, I appreciate 2.0 a little more. Not rooting for him, but I appreciate them more, and that just made it more of a human element that you just don't see in wrestling enough. Two more things I have to say about the main event. Go. Uh, besides, so the last thing I said was that I liked that Moxley choked him out or made him pass out. Yeah. Um, Stephen Re- or William Regal was on commentary, and they started talking about having a bruised coccyx. <laughs> and Stephen Regal, I swear to God, he just says this for Taz and Excalibur because they, like, stopped talking for, like, 30 seconds. And he said... Most males bruise their coccyx, but usually just while they're children. (laughs) (laughs) And, like, everybody stopped talking. And I knew that everybody just turned off their mic and started laughing. Like, he was saying saying it for the boys. Yes. Obviously. For sure. Uh, The other thing I was going to say, oh, was, it's not usual that I do this. I might have just said something that might have offended some people, and I want everybody to know where my heart is. My heart is with the oppressed people in the world. My heart is with the people that are looked down in the world, and my heart is with, you know, Swerve Strickland, Keith Lee, uh, Jade Cargill, Scorpio Sky, uh, Swerve Strickland, (laughs) uh, Jade Cargill, um, Lee Moriarty, where you at? Yeah, right. um, private party. Yes. Uh, Swerve yes. Strickland. Um, Dante Martin, motherfucker. Dante Martin. Dante, is he? Is he? Okay. Yes. Dante Martin. Yeah, yes. Sorry. Dante Martin. Him. We claim uh, him. Yeah. Okay. All He's right. on our uh, draft class. Ricky God damn it. Sarks, Powerhouse <laughs> Thank Hobbs. You. Thank Powerhouse you. Hobbs. Jade Cargill and Powerhouse Hobbs. Yeah. X Pac during that one segment. <laughs> I just want everybody to know that. 
I'm not racist. I mean, I'm, I've been thinking about Powerhouse Hobbs and Jade Cargill and uh, <laughs> and Swerve Strickland. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> All right. Did you guys buy that? <laughs> Did you guys really think I was apologizing? Oh, no. You saw me over here kind of looking away like, I'm just going to let this motherfucker roll. I don't know where we're going, but we, I, I, hey, yes, here's was my a money. real stone setup. I'm, just, I'm not sure where we're going, but just take my money, please. Uh, okay. Uh so uh, that's going to do it for our three count, right? Anything else about AEW? Nah. <laughs> going to do it for our three count? One, two, three. So Two Beers, Zach Pullman brought this to our attention uh, today. It is 26 years God, since Hulk Hogan had the greatest heel turn in the history of pro wrestling is at least televised pro wrestling. I mean, I don't think there's any doubt about that. I mean, maybe somebody did something. Maybe Bruno San Martino. Hello. I don't know. Oh, but, okay. Go, go set it up. Who's and then better let's talk than about that? HBK should at least be in the argument. No. Before- Hulk Hogan. NWO changed the entire industry. What are you talking about? Look. It just takes Jason. I can't even get through the intro before Jason starts arguing. No, I said go through it. Did I not? Why'd you say anything? Two two beer. All right. Shut up. Hold on a second. Hold on. Let's start over. Okay. Let me, let me rewind this. We're going to, we're going to tape over this. Okay. Okay. You guys ready? Yep. Three, two, one. Swerve Strickland, Jade Cargill, Tyrese <laughs> <Ha. laughs> All right, so Zach brought this up. Zach, what is your uh, what are your thoughts about? Because I know that you were watching it. I know you were eleven, and I know you were a mark. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, wrestling at this point was pretty much my entire life. I mean, I wouldn't even like touch a woman for like eight more years. So I mean, my <laughs> really how I had going on. Uh, so um, it was fantastic. I didn't know how monumental it would be, but I mean, it was such a huge deal because Hulk Hogan was always a baby face. He was the baby face of baby faces. It was 1996. This dude was like, I mean, he was say your prayers, eat your vitamins, brother. Like the whole time I was a kid, he was the champion. He was the baby face champion, like always. And there was no doubt in my mind that he was coming down that ramp to clear out Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, but who you, were literally outsiders from the WWF invading the WCW. <laughs> you've talked about this before, though. Like, your parents, because you're an only child, your yep. parents, unlike me, who my parents never bought me shit, except for <laughs> Honey Nut Cheerios was a real treat. I was to say, you better uh, appreciate that shit. Uh so your parents used to buy you pay-per-views. So you were watching Bash at the Beach while it happened. Yeah, live, which is mm. crazy because it was probably like, I mean, it was probably like $29.95, $39.95, which like, I don't know, in today's currency is like, I don't know, $750,000. <laughs> like, it's a lot. You just paid Bill spit out his beard. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thank you, 2 beer. I'm not the only one that goes down tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got me. I was waiting for you to say like seven hundred fifty dollars, and when you added the thousand on there, I was like, "Oh!" Fuck! But uh, yeah, it was a lot. So I mean, I, I was like blessed in that regard. It was it was it was great. So like, I, I got to watch a lot of that really cool shit. It was as it was happening, um, but we didn't have like internet and stuff. Uh, we had satellite um, pay per view, so 
I think we might have dial-up internet, but it sucks so bad. I I didn't discover Dave Meltzer till like before we start like we started this podcast. So like I was like subscribed to all the kayfabe stuff, like kayfabe. stuff you could buy at Walmart, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, all that kind of stuff. Um, at age eleven. Yeah, so, oh yeah, yeah. I had subscribed uh, oh. to Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Um, I wish I could remember some of the other ones. Uh, the names of them, uh, but that was like the big one. But there was a few that they would sell at Walmart, and um, I also subscribed to Electronic Gaming Monthly and Game Pro magazine wow. subscriptions were like my, my thing. But back then, but uh, but yeah, like this was monumental. Like I legit believed all of that. I thought it was a hundred percent real. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing like, it. and there there will never be anything else like it you can't do another heel turn like that because the business is different um That's true. and like bill said it was a paradigm shift in like just wrestling as like an entertainment business um that nwo thing was insane the hulk hogan uh, heel so- turn was if you knew anything about wrestling you just couldn't look away from it like everybody had to pay attention to it. It you know, in these days we have like Forbidden Door and there are people that are like for Forbidden Door, I don't really care about AEW. I certainly don't care about these Japanese fuckers. I'm not watching it. But in 1996, if you gave a fuck about any wrestling at all, you had to be into Hulk Hogan's heel turn. Uh Jason, what are your thoughts on it? First things first, I'll go with that. We'll, we'll just start with that. As the as a non-Hulk Hogan fan throughout the years, the last thing I thought I would ever see was a Hulk Hogan heel turn. Okay, so... How old were you, like 30? <laughs> um, was, you said 96, 73, so I was 23 at the time? Is my math oh, right? Shit, I, that's way closer. Than okay, that. so... <laughs> <laughs> That's a motherfucker. God damn. I saw that coming in slow motion. Yeah, like, I was like, oh, yeah. He's almost, he's, he was almost 30. <laughs> no, not so much. 23, I was sure. I was not even. You had more in common with a 30-year-old than you did with an 11-year-old Zach, though. Look. <laughs> you might have got arrested if you even tried to talk to him. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, guys. I'm just over here watching the pay-per-view with Zach. Okay. Look, look. Don't, don't back me up, please. Um, honestly, I was out of WWE at this point. I was wrestling at this point. It just, it didn't, it didn't connect with me. But when I heard this, I'm like, what the fuck? Hulk Hogan turned it. No, no, this is the thing. And then it made me at least watch WCW the following week to make sure I'm not the crazy guy in the room. So I was, so then I watched, I was 15. Oh, and then you watch. Sorry. No, it's not even that. It's just, I'll say this. Is it the greatest heel turn of all time? If you talk about the big picture, I'll I'll agree with you. I'll take a step back. Yes. Big picture. No, big picture is probably the biggest heel turn of all time because a guy where two beers 11 and he's not worried about women, 
I'm 23. I'm over here working all kinds of crazy shit and going out after the fact. Yeah, I'm worried about women at this point. But then I'm hearing about this Hulk Hogan heel turn. I'm like, what the fuck? Hulk Hogan flipped heel. Let me get this straight. The guy that I rooted against for for years is now a bad guy? Huh. I got to check this shit out. I was 15. I didn't care about wrestling at all. But I remember somebody being like, Hulk Hogan's a bad guy now. And I was like, because I used to watch wrestling with my grandpa. And I was like, well, that's that's stupid. Like, Hulk Hogan can't be a bad guy. They're like, oh, he's a bad guy. And I was probably pretty intrigued. I didn't come back to the sport again until I was, until about four years later when I fell completely in love with it. But as a, uh, I don't know as much about wrestling as a lot of the people that listen to this podcast. I don't know as much about wrestling as a lot of people who are on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. I really don't. Like, there is shit that you guys talk about, new and old, that I am completely out on. All the time. But I do remember Hulk Hogan turning bad and being like, wait a minute, what the fuck? That doesn't make any sense. And it not making any sense in my head. So I thought you were 100% going to say, but I still believe in Brutus Clay. (laughs) Well, now I'm just rooting for Brutus Clay to marry Hulk Hogan's daughter. (laughs) (laughs) Eugenics works, guys. Not just for dogs. I'm dead. <laughs> but but if you if you if you're a student of the sport, if you're a student of the of the uh art, then you know that Hulk Hogan turning, I mean, Kevin Nash and, and this might be because of WCW, it might be because WWE likes to tell us about this because they ended up winning. But Kevin Nash and Scott Hall going to WCW was a game changer. It completely, it, it, it was, it was the first time that wrestling figured out TV where it's like, you can use television as a method, like episodically, because before that it wasn't really episodic. You know, some guy would come in as a champ and he'd fight somebody else. You know, it wasn't very that. territorial. TV, TV was the, was the build for your house show back, you know, before that. And then like WCW Monday Nitro was a, paradigm shift in and of itself besides just the heel turn like that was a completely revolutionary television show and never would have been possible without that heel turn there was times where you know we never would have been successful i should say on monday nights you know we would work on monday lunches and i would go to my boy's house and then we would watch wrestling and it would be back and forth especially when the nwo hulk hogan Nash and Hall became a thing. So now we're like, okay, what do we watch? So now it's back and forth, back and forth. I remember that's where I think it's the most impactful. I remember not seeing the finger poke of doom, but being mad about it, even though I wasn't a fan. I was like, that's garbage. Right. Now I got to watch this shit. (laughs) (laughs) How the fuck this shit happened? When Goldberg lost it, when uh, he got the uh, the taser on his ass. I was like, how the fuck you going to win 100-plus matches and now you're going to bring the taser as the thing? I need to watch I mean, that. Ultimately, the promotion was already dead by that point. Like, they had already, like, imploded. Yeah. But, dude, I literally watched the first Monday Night Show just, like, a couple weeks ago. I um, just put it on as, like, background. And I put it on as background, and then I just ended up sitting and watching it. it who was who's the most famous television. wrestler that fought on the first Monday Night Nitro? 
the very first match, here's the reason I sat down, the very first match is Brian Tillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger in yeah. the Mall of America. They're literally in the Mall of America. It's 1994 or 95, and they're, they're in the middle of the mall. So you like, see all the shops, and there's just people standing around like watching Brian Tillman versus Jushin Thunder Liger. It was insane. That is insane. Okay. <laughs> like now... If- if those guys fought, you could sell out uh, Chicago Arena. <laughs> here's yeah, a, here, totally. here's my question, and if you want to move on, we can move on. So, obviously, the NWO is revolutionary, one of the best factions of all time. Are they the best faction of all time? No. 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 Who's the best faction of all time? Go Bill first, and then two beer next. Right to censor. Son of a bitch! No, you didn't know it was coming. Zach did. Uh, I, I was about to say, give me a little I'd say, I'd say the best faction of all time is. Uh, it, I, it's probably NWO because they were all like when you look at it, none of them was much older than forty. Like, they really weren't that old. I would say the Shield is pretty close to being the best faction of all time because you have two guys at the top of their promotions and Seth Rollins who you could put the belt on at either promotion anytime and it would be completely taken seriously. And he might be, and he is the best in ring wrestler of all three of them. And he is arguably the least famous. So. I I mean, I, I think the NWO is number one. I think the Shield's number two. Two beer, who you got? So, I mean, NWO is in the running, but the main reason that I say no is because it didn't take Four long months. for it to be completely bastardized, where just, like, uh, everybody was in the NWO. It was, like, the cool kids thing. Right, right. Uh, for, me, for me, it's the Horsemen, even though they did have multiple iterations. Um, it's just the Four Horsemen. That... Even even Steve Mongo McMichael era. Whoa, 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 yeah, whoa. You just said that to whoa, piss whoa, Jason whoa. off. Come Jason, on, man. Come Jason, on, man. come back to me. Come back to me. Swerve Strickland, <laughs> Jade Cargill, Paras Hobbs, come back to me. <laughs> like, oh, man, that mantra is like, uh, Jason's like, run it up that hill. <laughs> 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 you know, for every Steve Mongo McMichael, you got a Chris Benoit and, uh, and, and Arn Anderson, so... Uh, and you always had Ric Flair, so. Uh, but I mean, you saying the Shield, you're you're legit. Uh, you're not wrong. Um, that's actually pretty great. And they had a full, really good run, and you know, big money. You want you want to talk big money reunion? I think the Shield is like Ooh. a number one, the biggest big money reunion that you could possibly make. Um, say ten, fifteen years. Even, I mean, shit, even now. But, I wasn't you know. th- I wasn't thinking about it until I was talking about it, but, like, when I started talking about it, I was like, man, I don't know. You got Moxley and Reigns. Both are the the dudes. Yeah, they're the alpha dogs. And, and Seth Rollins is having the best arguably, matches of every pay-per-view that he's on with Cody Rhodes three in a row. best and character of all three. All. I... I, I some people might not call them faction. Like you have to have four. I know that I've heard that before. It, to be a stable, you have to have four shit like that. But they weren't a tag team, so that's only because of the horsemen. Right? Yeah, I understand. Stable horsemen. Yeah. Right. 
God forbid. <laughs> Jason, who, who are yours? Well, I was going to say, to me, as a Ric Flair guy, it always starts with the horsemen. You, you, even where you had Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson as the tag team guys, you can rotate Barry Windham, Lex Luger as the U.S. champion. It always was about Ric Flair holding the title. It's the same way where the bloodline, excuse me, I was going to throw them out there just just because they're the best modern day one of them, if not the best great. modern day. They're, uh, they're a great faction. Paul Heyman, the Usos, and Roman Reigns is a great faction. Where you had no where the Horsemen, when you had J.J. Dillon playing the role of Paul Heyman, Flair is basically so Roman Reigns, and then from that point, to me, where the Horsemen really just kind of stand out a little more even when the u.s title was a thing in the nwa wcw they they were invested in that all right that made it a big deal there, for me it's the horseman one there's a team that hasn't been brought up yet that is very yeah. current and has had a lot of members and it is the bullet club do you guys put the bullet oh, club yeah. in the top five who are, you think, who are you thinking, Zach? Dark Order? <laughs> <laughs> I said DX. Um, oh, yes. DX, yeah, DX, too. Yes, DX is D- also very big. Yes. And bigger than Bullet Club. Are yeah, they? And oh, I yeah. think part yes. of it is yes. Bullet Club is, is, has that they're kind of – and it's funny because, like, Bullet Club is literally the NWO, but they just – Rotate. There's so many. And, yeah, it rotates. And there's just so many in there. It, it almost, it's, it's kind of less exclusive. I feel like where the shield is kind of on one end of the spectrum where it's like three dudes and it's only ever been three dudes and it's just those three dudes. It'll never be anybody else. Bullet Club like literally had Jeff Jarrett in it. Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> out, of, out of every single one we've said, though, the shield is the only faction that has never kicked anybody out and never let anybody else in. That's the only faction we've talked about that has been only those three guys and only those three guys. It's not like Bray Wyatt came in to be a member of the Shield for two Raws or something. It's just only Kurt been... Angle. That that was was that COVID related? Oh uh, no, that was before. I think COVID. that was injury it was, related. It was, it was injury related. Um. Oh, okay. Yeah. That that's a fluke though. So it's kind of like the podcast. I, I, mean, I mean, we that's had Murray, Murray for a little while, like Joey. So every what, now and then, what, we're, what, we're, what we're, you, we're the three. We're like the we're like the, the no, we're, the we're, podcast we're, world. we're right to censor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Stevie Richards. You're Bull Buchanan. Jason's the good father. Yes, yeah, I'm a good father. <laughs> um, I'm gonna throw this out with. <laughs> I'm on. gonna throw out this one. Shit, I'm missing one. Stevie Richards, Ivory, Bull Buchanan. Uh, yeah, but I, I had. No, I thought no, I had Mark. Be ivory. Oh yeah, Tender Mahal's Ivory, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> but I'm trying to find a place for Murray. I thought there was five. Wasn't there five? There was five. Um, I wasn't watching. No, uh, Val Venus. Came yes, in Val late. Venus. Yes, sorry, Val Venus is Murray. Okay, so it worked out. <laughs> Joey is Ivory. <laughs> I wonder what he thinks about that. Joey, I fought for you, man. I fought for you. That's all I can say. Trust me, Joey enjoys. If Joey is Ivory, Joey enjoys being Ivory's sexual partner. I'll <laughs> do it for our three count. One, two, three. Okay, so 
There's not a whole lot of odds and ends, so let's not belabor this point. So they took. I make it quick. I make yes, it quick. Yes, Jason. Yes. Um, New Japan starting on September 5th and 6th. They're going to allow chanting and the vocal crowds to come back. This is something we've talked about on multiple occasions, so I just wanted to throw that if shit out If I would have been here for Forbidden Door, I would have talked about Yoshihashi being the motherfucker to walk out and to have that place go oh, absolutely, absolutely <laughs> berserk for like, Yoshihashi. I'm- and he like he looked around like he thought somebody was behind him. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm never going back. <laughs> right. He was like, is Okada behind me? Is that fucking Andre the Giant? Like, but he just, he was oh, like, what the fuck? Okay, that's the thing that... That's how great that crowd was. And that's why I put Okada's entrance over Claudio's. Fair I enough. get it. Claudio got, they milked that shit, but when Okada came out, he kind of stopped, he looked around, and it was just like... The truck, the crowd, the crowd was chanting his name, and he just milked it for that thirty seconds. And he looked over. He actually smacked somebody's hand, which you don't do in Japan at all. He smacked somebody's hand. That shit was nuts. I know that we, you two guys and myself, we sent back a few texts on Thursday when I had to cancel because we got free tickets. And my wife's like, so you go to fish five times a year and just do a bunch of drugs, and then you come home and you can't take a Thursday night off? She she forgot about the podcast. She's like, so you have to wake up early tomorrow and you can't go to Ava Brothers with me? I was like, okay, well, let's go to Ava Brothers, man. Let's go to Ava Brothers. I'm glad to work at 2.30. Good- it was like, oh, you're out? What the fuck? I mean, I like the Ava Brothers. Was that a good show? They, they were really good. Live. Yeah, they were fucking great. You want to know what's weird? The weirdest thing about that show? We were at St. Louis Music Park, holds like yeah, know, where was 4, it? 5,000 people. It's that little place right next to Riverport now. And we were kind of standing up, and like the music started, and I stand up. You know, I'm used to being at fish shows. I'm I'm fixing to dance. I'm used to being at clutch shows. I'm fixing the come on, let's no, fucking sit get your down. Sit narrow ass down. <laughs> Aaron pulls out her pen, like we start smoking. I'm expecting when they start playing music that everybody's going to be smoking like it's a fish show or something. Uh-uh. We're the only motherfuckers smoking in the entire place. And there are people turning around and look at us. And I was like, these fucking squares from West County, Nerds. get the fuck out of here. What a fucking oh nerdy crowd. God. We were the only people smoking weed in the entire place. Aaron and I. The only people. Dude, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure my kids got a contact high before the July. And yes, we just on the of course. <laughs> anyway. So I did. Oh, I, I didn't get to talk about for, for, Forbidden Door, and you guys did a great job of covering it. But I did. Like one of my big points was, God damn, that crowd was so fucking great, man. That crowd. Yeah. And that is. Well, I saw. I saw somebody on Twitter say that's proof that you can't burn out a crowd as long as you just put on banger after banger after banger. That was the. And that that crowd was ready to go the entire time, and that crowd was through it until the very end, man. I asked. Great what time it was twice, just to see, just to gauge where we were at. And it was, by the time we got to the women's match, it was like, okay, it was like 8.30-ish. I was like, okay, we still got, we're about halfway home. And it still was no let up. The back end of that that pay-per-view was just off the chain. And like I said, I'm a, God knows everybody, if you listen to this pod, I love me some Naito. Okada is now my number two guy. Just seeing him come out and watching him perform 
it was. <laughs> I mean, if I don't, if I never have kids, that's good enough. I, wow. I've seen. Holy I'm not, shit, dude! Well, I was think I was thinking about throwing my kid into the river because somebody called me with a free ticket. No, no, no. I thought about it. No, no. <laughs> and the maze not that bad. Uh, like kind of on on topic, like the fact that fans were cheering and they were cheering so well. You saw that in the performance of the New Japan guys. Oh, for they were sure, for being sure, in front of a cheering crowd. So you know, I, I, I was I, I was with you guys when I listened to your pod last week. Where our pod, Zach said his favorite match was the opener with Jericho and Suzuki, and that match was unreal. For sure. Uh, I love the tag match a lot. I like the psychology of the tag match. Osprey, Orange Cassidy stole the show for me. My second favorite match, though, was probably Moxley, Tanahashi. Like, I loved it. I loved how the crowd got really Turned behind. on John Moxley. I loved it, man. I Like, I was... I, I, knew, w- I knew who won, but I was still very into I'm it. I'm like, what the fuck kind of witchcraft is this? And I've watched... Yeah, that's, that's, that's the charisma of... Tanahashi, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's this New Japan podcast I listen to sometimes, and the guy always says he's like, "I'm sorry, you know, he's some dude from Philly. I forget what that. It's called uh, Best of the Best of Best of the Super, or I don't know, Super J Cast. Super J Cast. Yes, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know if you guys ever listened to them, but that Damon dude is just some old dude from, he's like 55, and he lives in Philadelphia, and he's an, I old, like him already. He's an, old, he's an old ECW guy, and he always says, and he's a smart guy, and he always says, uh, Tanahashi's the best wrestler in my lifetime. He's the best wrestler in my lifetime. And he's like, he's like real honed in on like old Memphis shit and like flair, like he, right. he he's en- encyclopedic. And he's like, Tanahashi is the best wrestler in my lifetime. If it wasn't for two beer, and I'll say this, and we can wrap this up. Um, if you don't have any more odds and ends, obviously. No. If it wasn't for two beer, I wouldn't have watched New Japan. When we first started this uh, podcast, it was funny because we are ta- we just were talking about women's and men's money in the bank. I was at the very first Money in the Bank. We were doing the podcast when Carmelo won. We were doing that Shock City Studios. That was when James Ellsworth got involved. Okay, blah, blah, blah. The glory days. Yeah, the glory days. So now we fast forward to this point where now, you know, we've gone through, well, not gone through, but kind of in, still in the pandemic. And now we're at a point where New Japan is getting ready to come back to where we remember them when I first got involved in New Japan. What you're trying to say is we're survivors. Survivors, one. And number two, I think, I want to see what New Japan is post, quote-unquote, pandemic. It wasn't It wasn't like it was too different to begin with, but there was times where you you want to hear the, you know, the, the crowd chant Okada. You want to hear Naito, shit like that, back, forth, back, forth. Even when I watched it this week, it was still clapping. It's still not the same thing. All right. So we were going to talk about Sasha and Naomi, but we're going to skip it because we got in some good stuff. So, uh, Aaron, I told you. Hold on. Send the voicemail. 
This is banned from ringside. Okay, so we got our go home segments. Uh, do you have one, Jason? Of course, I always have one. Go ahead, I mean, go ahead. Do your go home segment. Uh, plenty of New Japan to watch. Uh, New Japan and Stardom. We're getting ready to have their thing. They're going to do something on my birthday, the twentieth. That's going to be nice. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I'm gonna go with that. That's my go home. New Japan and Stardom on my birthday, the twentieth. All right, Zach, you got a go home thought. Yeah, my going thought is um, when you go to the grocery store, just buy a little extra and just, like, put it, like, to the side because you're probably going to run out of food soon and uh, you and all your loved ones are going to die a long, lingering death. Unless you make it to one of those climate refugee camps. I have a bleak go home. Um, that's per- that, now. You that's, should probably just open a main right now. No, that, that's, that's really good, Zach. Uh, so <laughs> my go home is... You know, this is our podcast number 264. 264. And the reason that we're able to do these podcasts for you guys is because you guys support us so much and because uh, I have so much fun with Zach Pullman and Jason Bell, Swerve Strickland, Jake Cargill, <laughs> Powerhouse Hobbs, Swerve Strickland, uh, Lee Moriarty, Private Party, Dante Martin, uh, Dante, Martin. Starks, Dante, Dante Martin, Martin uh, Swerve Strickland, Jake Cargill. Uh, <laughs> this is banned from ringside. All right, we got some birthdays this week. We got uh, Marcel Bartel, who's now known as Ludwig, Ludwig Kaiser, is right. 32. Kevin Nash, the aforementioned. Mm. 63 years old. That means that Kevin Nash turned, wait, 63 minus 26. He turned 37 on his birthday. He turned 37 on the on the NWO day. Damn. That's pretty good. Uh, Mark wow. Marrow is 62. Shelton Benjamin, 47. Gilberg, you know I like Gilberg. He is 63. <laughs> Tyson Kidd is 42. Jeff Cobb. Get yourself some in that G1, son. Yes, Go, Jeff Cobb. He is 40. Hurricane Helms, who I met at StarCast. Yes, yes. 48. Cool, cool uh, dude. Cool dude, yeah. Sami Zayn is 38. Brock Lesnar is 45. And Xbox got that heat, and that motherfucker is 50. Uh, I don't know which one of these is the... Hold on. Hey, everybody. <laughs> we know there's tons of podcasts to listen to, so we appreciate you guys listening to our podcast. He just pushed the button. He got lucky. For Vice. Check. For my daughter, Edna Maeve. Double for check. For my wife, Erin. Check. For Murray, the Murray Man Murray. Check. For Patriot Pat. Check. For Two Beers, Zach Pullman. Check. Who did I forget? Did I say Vice? Did I say Tender yep. Mahal? I said, no, you didn't. Check for Tender Mahal. Check for Tender Mahal. Support your local weed dealers. Check. Support your local restaurants. Check. Tip your bartenders. Double check. Tip your servers. Double check. Never, ever forget to just boo the heels. Boo, bitch. Gotta go, Pete.